0: Buddy Good morning, I hope you've had a great weekend a, a good holiday season ready to move into the new year. I know we are uh, big times coming in the next couple of weeks uh, as we get into a location, a new building again more of that's coming if you've been coming to join us at night, uh, you already know the details for the most part and I'll be making more of that public here soon. but uh, right now we're going to spend a couple of weeks journeying into the new year with a plan. And uh, I hope this is the first thing you put in your hand, the Word of God. It's powerful. It's incredible. It's awesome. It will change your life uh, in ways you can't even expect or explain. And that being uh, a yearly process, regardless of where you are in your walk with Christ, it's always got the power to change you. So we're going to jump into the Word. That's what we do. You already know that if you've been looking at these videos keep in mind again this is just me preaching the word this is not church and and it can never be church this is you watching me on a screen preach words to a camera i can't even interact with you because i can't see you uh but that that's going to change as we go live but either way if you're watching this video you're still watching a video you need to be part of the church. Together we meet at Salt River Community Church in the evenings. You're definitely welcome to come to that in a couple of weeks. We'll move to mornings as well, but uh, in the meantime, we are in Tempe, Arizona. If you email us, reach out contact us however you choose by social media or whatnot, there's a bunch of ways. Hit us up. We'll tell you how to find this love for you to come hang out. So today being the 2nd of January, we're moving into this new year um, and with the past few years that we've had every new year seems to be a relief and also a, a you know a, a sense of fear or apprehension or even jokes okay what's coming next you know um but before we race into all new days afraid of what might be coming or determined that we're going to change it you know resolving to be better or to you know do better um, there's a couple of things that I think you should know and it's a good reminder for me as well. Many, many people say that resolutions are wrong. Some go so far as to say they're a sin. And I don't know. I completely agree with that. But they, they can be dangerous. That is true. But they uh, also can be powerful. And the thing is, that biblically speaking anyway there's two rules i want to challenge you with first if you're heading down that road whether you're making a resolution or, or whether you're just going into the new year without any expectations either way especially if you're a believer biblically speaking I want, I want to present two things uh for you to kind of set as rules as the year rolls over here and one we'll do this week and one we'll do next week so first mark your god moments that's what we're going to talk about this week mark your god moments and then the next thing is uh remember it's god's plan god's plan is the plan remember that god's plan is the plan we'll get into that next week but today let's read joshua jump into joshua chapter 4 if you got your bible you can scroll to it or turn to it i like the book myself but however you get there get there chapter 4 of joshua I'm looking at, uh, I'll read verse 5. We're actually going to kind of cover over several things in the chapter here, but let me just read to you verse 5 to get our head in here. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord when it passed over the Jordan. And the waters of the Jordan were cut off, so these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. Let me pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. I love it. It is so incredible. Thank you for the privilege you give all of us, not just me, but all of us who love you and call you Father. Thank you for the privilege you give us of entrusting your word to others. Help us do that faithfully. As always, God, again, it's your word, not mine, and I pray I never take it out of your mouth. Rather you put your words in mine. And I ask it in Christ's name. Amen. So I got a question for you. When were the good old days? We, people use that phrase all the time. But when were those? When were the good old days? You know, it's a relative term, right? People in the, in their 80s and 90s, for them, Uh it's back to this magical time when there were less cars on the road, no pollution, nobody ever killed anybody. Uh everyone left their doors unlocked and they hugged when they passed in the streets. (laughs) Music was never too loud, it was always just right and the kids were completely respectful of their elders, you know. Uh if you're in your fifties, but you know, around that maybe it's a healthier time when there were uh, there was more work happening, more work getting done, being more productive. You know, your body was in better shape, no wrinkles. Your kids were young and fun to be around. You know, the world may have been crazy, but it's not like it is today. You know, maybe these are your thoughts. Or if you're in your 30s, maybe you're thinking back to high school, the good old days back in high school when you were the star of your own inner circle, <laughs> when identity meant everything, And no one was shooting up the schools back then, or forcing uh, vaccines, or trying to steal our future, whatever it is, you know. But the truth is, all that's fantasy, right? Truth is, all that's fantasy. All of those idealistic memories are unicorns. They really are. They don't exist. The 20s and 30s, the 1920s and 30s, they carried a world war into a Great Depression. The 40s saw a second world war. The 50s saw war and legendary race riots. The 60s, uh, man, riots continued. War went off the charts. Uh, sexuality was blown out of control. Uh, music was the top tier of everything that shaped culture. The 70s and the 80s, all of that kind of continued, war continuing on, and the threat of a third world war even that didn't come pr- to fruition at the time, but the threat was there. You had the drug world taking over. Again, sex now becomes attached with disease and spreads like crazy. The 90s brought in this new kind of war. Um, more riots. Schools became unsafe. 2000. War turned into terrorism. Terrorism ran crazy. Hit all new lows of depravity and torture. And I mean, I I could keep going. I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just trying to say we never reached the promised land at some point in the past and suddenly now have run away from it. It's never been paradise. It's never been paradise. The problem is that our memories are marked by our fun times, by our victories, by our hopes. And even in some cases... Maybe some frustrations and stuff, but, but that's not what we focus on. We focus on those super highs. But what if we considered God's actions in our life? If only that. We just considered God's actions as marked in the past and the world. His actions in our lives and in the world. And remember, those moments, they would never be a fantasy. They would never be a fantasy. And they would push us back to live in the present, not in the past. They would push us back to the present because we'd be looking for him to move again like he did then. It's those moments that need to be memorialized. It's those moments because they mark what our future has potential to be. Okay? A memorial always faces both directions in time. It remembers what has been and hopes for what's to come. You got that? It remembers the marker, though it's... Pigeoned in the past, it remembers what has been and hopes for what's to come, moving forward based on what's being memorialized in the past. You got that? So, this is what I want you to think through as we, as we walk through this. Just like with Israel, it's important for us to set markers, okay? To honor times when God powerfully moved in our lives so that it will be a reminder of His character as we head into the future. Okay? Again just like with Israel, it's important for us to set markers to honor times when God powerfully moves in our lives so that it will be a reminder of his character, all right, as we head into our future. Does that make sense? So quick backstory, you probably already know it, but if you don't, quick backstory, the people of Israel have been led out of slavery and they've been slaves in Egypt, led out by Moses. They crossed the Red Sea on dry land, the water's standing like a wall on each side. And then across the desert and to Mount Sinai, they spent time with Jehovah, the Yahweh, the Lord, came down on the mountain, all of that story in Exodus. The, the laws were given to them, the Ten Commandments and the other 613 total laws are given to them. And then they begin to head to the promised land that God had promised to them. When they reach the promised land, they see people and inhabitants there that are Threatening and huge and frightening and terrifying and in fear they in doubt they run the opposite direction and god says fine Then you'll spend the next 40 years wandering the desert until this generation that has feared what I promised to give them Is gone and that's exactly what happens. So for 40 years that goes on that generation dies off uh, Moses dies as well, but before dying he passes authority to Joshua. God leads him to do that, and then Joshua brings the people back again to the same promised land where they 'd been forty years before and the challenge now, though the immediate challenge at the moment is not the inhabitants of the land because they 're still there, but that 's not this challenge at the moment. The challenge at the moment is getting across the river. The Jordan River, it flows right in front of the promised land and separating them from getting across and is swollen uh, because of the time of year. And you can see that in J- Joshua chapter 3. Look back real quick. Excuse me. Joshua 3 verse 15 says, And as soon as those bearing the ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped in the brink of the water, now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. So it's telling you, that the Jordan was swollen wide, overflowing. The waters coming down from above stood up, uh, stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarethan, and those flowing down towards the Sea of the Arabah, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off. So get the picture, the water, uh, the flow of the river, God stops it way upstream from where they're crossing. Okay, just literally heaps it up and stops it, which cuts it off all the way down to the Red Sea, or the Dead Sea. And you can look on a map and see how it flows. So somewhere in Gal- uh, the Sea of Galilee, it flows straight down into the Sea the Dead Sea. So somewhere along the way, far up north at this place called Adam, uh, it, God heaps it up and just stops it, all right? And it runs dry. And then it says, now the priests bearing... Oh, I'm sorry, let me continue. It says, uh, and the people passed over opposite Jericho. Verse 70. So Jericho is right near Jerusalem where it would be. So they're coming over in that area of where Jerusalem would be and Jericho. Now the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan and all the people, uh, and all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. So how about that? What does that sound reminiscent of, right? The, when they crossed the Red Sea on dry ground. Same thing. It wasn't just that they, you know, something dammed up the river. God stopped it and dried the ground so they could come across. You got buggies and, you know, camels and horses, who knows what. I mean, they're coming across on dry ground. Look at verse 1, so we'll come into our moment here. When all the nation had finished passing, I'm in chapter 4, finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, and I don't miss that because that's a really big statement. The Lord is leading this whole thing. God is leading this whole thing. It's not Joshua acting on his theological training. It's not his military wisdom, which he had that too. This is not some wise counsel or some good advice he got from somebody. Yes, Moses charged him with the responsibility to take the people across, But God is orchestrating this moment and Joshua's just being obedient to it. So the moment that's happening here is something God's doing. And this is what I mean when I say God moments. Mark your God moments. This is a time when God is controlling the moment when in our lives, you could say, God is speaking or leading or acting very clearly and we're just being obedient, all right? Can you remember times when, in 2021, can you remember times or a time When you felt like you and God were working together, like he's leading everything. But I mean, y'all are on the same page and you know it like, you know, you're being obedient. You know, you're following him because you can see what he's doing and you know it. If that was before 2021, the last time, or if it's never happened, but certainly if the last time was before 2021, look, it's time to step, take steps. So 2022 will grant you those markers. Alright, so that that's important. Look at verse two. Take away, and then I'm gonna read a piece here and then we'll pull it back apart. Take twelve men from the people, God's telling Joshua as they're crossing. So the the priests basically step into the, into the river, and as soon as their feet, they're carrying the ark on their shoulders. And when their feet hit the waters, that's when it heaps up. So it runs on down, and it heaps up, and the ground dries out in front of them. And they're standing now in the middle of the dry riverbed, and all the people are coming across. Well, as that's occurring, God is telling Moses, or actually, just before they cross, God is telling Moses to take 12 men from the people. How many tribes are there? 12. So a person from each tribe and command that person saying, take 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly. So where they're standing around their feet, grab stones and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. So they'll end up in an area called Gilgal. We'll see that in a minute. Uh, just a, it's a little area right across the river. Verse 4, Then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord. Doesn't mean go in front of them. It means in the presence of. So go down with the ark um, of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder. So each one has a stone that they pick up and they put it up on their shoulder. So this is telling you you're not talking about a little pocket rock. We're talking about a large stone that, that you're putting up on your shoulder. According to the number of tribes of the people of Israel. So one for each. That this may be a sign, look at this, among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do those stones mean to you? See what he's saying? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So the stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. Cool little point to think about there, too, that Moses didn't raise his arms out. This is not, I'm sorry, Joshua didn't raise his arms out like Moses did. This is not that kind of moment. This is the priest walking into the water with the ark of God, and God will not allow that ark to be washed away. So, when the ark now when the, it's not about the priests, it's about the ark, when the presence of God that's what the ark symbolized the presence of God, when it reaches the center point or as it goes into that water, that water stands still out of respect or fear or obedience, the water as in obedience to the presence of God standing there, so repeatedly, in that passage I just read, it is crossed or passed over. that's the key here, okay, several times here. The point is to memorialize the crossing, all right? The crossing is the God moment here. Not just the miracle of the river, but the actual fact that God had delivered them. They had arrived in the promised land. They had crossed over into the land promised to them. The, the miracle, yes, but that too. And no, it's not total paradise. Uh, it's not heaven. There's a lot of work ahead of them in that promised land. Even worse, a lot of wars. Keep reading the book of Joshua. But God has fulfilled his promise and his word, and they're in their land. Now, Before you think that's not a big deal, remember, that's after 400 years of slavery, 40 years of wandering in the desert, crossing a sea on dry land, and now a river on dry land. God has, they have crossed over. And I want you to take some time, man, and look back. What has he done for you this past year? Like that. Now, I don't mean a miracle. Maybe he has, but I don't mean a miracle where water stands still. Well, what's he done? Point being, maybe you're not in paradise right now. Maybe you're not. Maybe it's not heaven, of course, but he has delivered you somehow this year in some way. Maybe he's fulfilled a promise. Maybe he's honored a, a prayer request or something in a powerful way. And again, it's not paradise, but he's moving. He's done something. You need to put a marker up. Note how many times here in this passage he also says, for you. For you. It's a marker for you. The marker is, it is a witness to others, but it's for you to use to show others. It's a tool for you to remember and also a tool for you to use in sharing your faith with with others. Particularly and most importantly, uh, those who are in the family of God, but also those outside of it. You'll see that as well. Uh, Verse 8. And the people of Israel did, notice it says the people of Israel. So all of them together are doing this, just as Jesus, as Joshua commanded, took up twelve stones out of the midst of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, just as the Lord told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. Why well, take the stones out of the river and carry them, by the way? And again, they would have been large enough to build a marker out of, that would endure the test of time. He carrying them on their shoulders. Why? Why not just take some stones from the ground on the other side, or even near where they're fixing the crack? Like get to Gilgal and then let's scrape up some stones and put a mark. That's where the marker's going to go anyway. Why take it out of the river when they cross? Um, those stones display as a reminder that the river actually stopped. The miracle actually happened because these rocks came out of the center of that flooded, swollen river. It actually stopped up for them to come across. And the work of carrying them makes that marker more meaningful. Notice that the leaders were chosen from each of the tribes to do this, but they owned the responsibility as a tribe, as a family together, and the tribes together as a nation. This was something for all of them to be part of or to participate in. It wasn't a side project he assigned to 12 people. Um, one God moment uh, marker here should be reflective of our family. It. it Just as it was for them. It should be, uh, there should be some moments, and maybe all of them, but some moments that mark what our family has been involved in or through. Our personal family and our God family. You know? Our God moment markers are reflective of our family and the family of God around us. And they should do that. We're meant to journey through life together. That's the key here. We're meant to do it together. And that means that when God works miracles, or delivers. It's not in a vacuum. It's not in the dark. It's not in the closet. It's never meant to be alone. Never. It's meant to display him to others. And to involve his family. So that many can be blessed by his actions. That's what the church is about now. That, that, that's part of the importance of the church. That we all share the markers of what God's doing in us collectively Do your markers display him? Display him, do they? If you've got him, or or is your memorial sitting in a closet somewhere? You go back and treat it like a shrine, but nobody else knows it's there. You're around a church family you can share that memory with? You need to be. Is it visible to the lost? It should be. Look at verse 9. And Joshua set up 12 stones. In the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and there they are to this day. Keyword, word, uh, remember, to the day of when Joshua is writing this, or when it's being written. For the priests bearing the Ark stood in the midst of the Jordan, until everything was finished, that the Lord commanded Joshua to tell the people, according to all that Moses had told Joshua. So, to this day, that's awesome. That's a clear sign that others could locate and celebrate what God... Uh, had done by going to see the marker for themselves he's saying it's there go check it out it happened go look the marker's still there that would have been the case then uh, that marker set up in the past is there today and as you approach tomorrow remember that that marker from that day is still there think about that in your life think about that in your life again as you approach tomorrow remember today that the marker from that day is still there it didn't go anywhere it's still there you ever heard somebody talk about a near-death experience seen a movie or read a book about it you know (laughs) funny by the way that that's always a very positive happy experience it's always a heavenly trip whatever it is but I heard a wise pastor once say, there are no near-death experiences you're either, or excuse me, there are no near-death experiences you are nearer to death right now than you ever have been. Again, not to be dark, but that's a great point. There are no near-death experiences because you are nearer to death now than you ever have been. Whatever you think you got near to, you never died. You, you you, You kept right on living. And right now, you're continuing towards that same destination but the opposite anyway though the opposite is also true you are more alive now than you ever have been think about this you are more alive now than you may feel like well i'm getting old what are you talking about i'm dying no you're more alive now than ever because as of this second you've lived one second more than you had a second ago as of this second you've lived one second more than you had a second ago You know, as a fancy way of saying every moment counts. Time is real. Yes, and every moment counts. This is the day the Lord has made. You let us rejoice and be glad in it. You probably know the psalm. This is the day the Lord has made. Not this is the past the Lord had made. Not this is the future the Lord is, I hope the Lord does. It's this is the day, present the Lord has made. Let us rejoice in it. All day today, this is the day. And when you get to tomorrow, guess what you're going to say? Not this is the tomorrow, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. The marker is not for present generations to dwell in it, to all oh, the past, all oh, the past. No. The marker is for future generations to remember where they're from as they live in the day today headed towards whatever future god has for him you understand that it's not just rocks it's not just nostalgia it's not just memories it's the symbol listen to me it's the symbol of the power of god that you depend on today looking back at what he's done that marker is the symbol of the power of god that you're depending on today I'm depending on that power that split that river and they walked on dry land. That's what I'm depending on today because I look back and I see the marker that that happened. The same God who brought you to today will guide you into tomorrow. All right, let's, let let me show you how the story ends and we're all, we'll be done here in just a second. Let me show you how the story ends. Look in verse 19, skipping ahead obviously, but look in 19. The people came up out of the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month and they encamped at Gilgal On the east border of Jericho, so between the town of Jericho and the river, and those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know, Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea. Which he dried up for us until we passed over it, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of God is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Man, you see the picture there? It's for them and it's for the world. That marker matters, it matters. There's so much symbolism happening here, it's it's just full of it. There's more more to look at than just the marker. And the more you see God's work and design in it as you look at it, and that's the same way for us, the more we look back at the things that we mark where he's moved, we start to see, man, he was really doing a lot more than I thought in that moment. In this case, it's no different. There's a sense that the stones, for instance, I'll give you some examples. There's a sense that the stones here in the water, because Joshua went back and he set up stones in the midst of the water, right? We already read that, where the priests stood, and those are the ones that are there to this day. So the, he had the the twelve, one of each tribe bring, bring stones out. He himself went back to where the priests were still standing as the people are finishing passing, and he sets a marker up there, which would have surely been under the water when it came back across. So there's a sense that the stones in the water uh, represent kind of passing through death, leaving behind the wilderness, going under the water, being unable to live, But, God parted the water by grace, so that death was not the end, and the other pile is in the promised land as evidence that they passed through that into the kingdom of God, into the presence of God, into new life, new hope, you know, a new home. Warren Wiersbe said something like this. He said the 12 stones on the bank of the Jordan came out of the midst of the river as evidence that God did not part the waters and take his people safely across. Excuse me, that God did part the waters and take his people safely across. The 12 stones hidden in the midst of the river could be seen only by God, but they too spoke of Israel's marvelous crossing. These two piles of stones picture Christ's death and burial. The hidden stones... And the resurrection, the stones on the bank. Pretty powerful way to think about it. The markers could also be symbolic of baptism. You could look at it that way, which is also a marker. Baptism is not something that that we do that saves us, but it marks our salvation. It marks our salvation. So when future generations and others ask, what does your baptism mean? You can share about how God delivered you from sin into life with him. And how that's pictured in going beneath the waters and coming up to new life, right? Uh, Another symbolism from here could be, from these markers, could be headstones. And this one's powerful. Uh, You know, like in a graveyard. You ever been to New Orleans or Savannah, Georgia, places like that where they have these, you know, the graves are above ground because of flooding. And so they have wild architecture uh, in all of the gravestones and graves and whatever. On the other hand, maybe you've been to like a Civil War cemetery or a very old one, where the headstone there is not much bigger than a man's wallet. In some cases, and I've seen both. And in either case, they mark the memory of a life. In either case, a fam—excuse me—a family member that we love, and where they crossed over. That's what they symbolize. That where they crossed over. For for those of us who are part of the family of God, who've already been spiritually delivered from the slavery of sin. We may spend a lifetime here in the wilderness, but one day we come to the river. Physical death, all right? We come to the river, and we'll pass through the river into the promised land of eternal kingdom. How? Because of what Christ has done. And the headstone placed in the graveyard over a body is just a marker. It's just a marker. We're not there. We're in his presence in his eternal kingdom on the other side of the river. And when people pass the stones and ask, well, what happened here, the headstones, and ask what happened here, we tell them how this loved one passed into God's presence because of Jesus Christ's blood. You know, a river he poured out, a river he drowned in, so to speak, so that by his grace, we walk across on dry land. But whether it's placing a headstone or buying a new home, Whatever it is, there needs to be markers in your life. For recent ones from the last year, before we go into a new year. What, what, what can you put in place? How can you honor God in the future because of what he's done in the past year? What, what can you put in place? One commentary wrote, The God who has offered us promises for the future, which sustain us in the present, understands our tendency to lose touch with matters of ultimate concern in our preoccupation with the unrelenting demands of the present. We get so busy with the present, God knows we tend to forget. Therefore, he creates for us memorials, reminders that help keep our focus on our roots. This chapter of Joshua dramatically reveals the importance of remembering. So important, you could argue that God has done it himself. God himself has set up markers. give you a great example. The rainbow, contrary to the LGBTQ people, it is not meant for them to have a flag around. It, is, it had a purpose. Go back and look. Genesis chapter 9, verse 13. Excuse me. It has a purpose. Not had. It has a purpose. Genesis 9, verse 13. After the flood, I, God, have set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember. See what he's saying? My covenant. I will remember my covenant that's between me and you and every living creature of all flesh and the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember. Think about that. The everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that's on the earth. Think about what he's saying there. It's for him. He's not going to forget, but it's important for him to memorialize if it's important for him as God to memorialize, shouldn't we? So let me close this thing up. I mean, what are some markers for me as I focus on 2021? Well, you know, I'm still working through that myself. But I can think of some things I've already marked down. You know, I became a grandfather. There needs to be a marker for that in my life. I became a grandfather. You know, maybe it's pictures. I don't know. But there needs to be something for me that marks it. Man, this is the year I became a grandfather. Uh, God gave us a building as a church after three and a half years of being here in Tempe, Arizona. He gave us a place to, to meet, to gather, to worship together publicly outside of a home. And that's after in 2021. Remember, the focus is last year. In 2021, being turned down four different times by four different places before this one, which is so perfect, became available to us. Molly and I celebrated 20 years of marriage. I need markers for these things. So before you plan your resolutions going into 2022, take some time today, consider your God moments from 2021, and set up some markers, a way to honor and remember those moments as you move into 2022. And in August or October of 2022, maybe you return to those markers from 2021 and remind yourself of the power of the God that you belong to. That makes sense. It should. Well, maybe you can't because you don't have those kind of markers because you've never placed any faith in God. You've never trusted that he can do anything for you. You've never seen him do anything for you because you've never trusted him to do anything to you for you. Maybe you have no idea what he has done, what he has made available to you, what what he has done in love for you. Already, already what he's done for love of you. Maybe now it's time you recognize that. Maybe it's time that the marker that you set up now is the greatest of all markers. It's the day that all of the world changed for you. It's the day that you surrender your life to Christ and that eternity becomes reality for you. The day, maybe today, and I hope it is. Man, go into 2022, the second day of the year, by giving your life to him. Can't imagine what that will do. I pray that you do. It, it's accessed by faith. It's accessed by, I say it over and over, it's accessed by faith. Can you admit who you are? Can you own it? Can you say, you know what, I know I'm a sinner. I know I am. I know I am. I'm a failure and I know it. I know that if I stand before God today, I have no justification for my behavior. Can you can you own that? Can you just say it? Can you believe in who he is? He's living, he's loving, he is there, he is the creator Can you believe in who he is and can you trust in what he's accomplished that he did come, born of a woman, born of a virgin, being all God and all man in order to live a perfect life and carry sin, your sin, my sin, the sin of the world to the cross, nailing it there, leaving it defeated and dead, going into a grave and then conquering that death coming back three days later in order to provide hope for us who put our faith in him can you can you do that can you trust that what he's done is enough because nothing in you is good enough tell him tell him lord i love you you are amazing thank you for your word thank you for anybody who might have confessed that to you today god i pray that you would save them fill them with your holy spirit and have them shout at us or find a great amazing church that teaches your word